Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we look back at an impressive Jets win over the Lightning. Plus, more trade talk with a deadline less than two weeks away. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki or the podcast at Skates Plates pod all right hope you guys are doing well and why wouldn't you be after that one right i I can't say it was necessarily out of nowhere seeing that the jets have been piling up 40 plus shots a game recently but still putting up a touchdown against the back-to-back champs last night's win i I don't know if it was the best of the season but it was it was a very well-deserved one for the fans at least after a couple of Tough losses against the Rangers and the Stars. So, enjoyable night at least seeing the Jets pick up a 7-4 win against Tampa Bay. The playoff dream, you know, it's still alive with the win. It it took a pretty big blow with those two setbacks earlier last week. But, I will say this. If the club keeps playing like they did against Tampa Bay down the stretch, you could almost understand Chevy wanted to see what they could do. As the games get closer and closer to April. I mean, the key word there is almost. Like, please still move the pending UFAs. And whatever happens, happens. But you can at least understand with how well they played and how well they looked. Maybe giving them a little bit more runway before you make an ultimate decision there. But the reason I say that is the Jets outplayed Tampa Bay and really did so the majority of that hockey game. Right? I mean, right from the puck drop, the, the Jets had a 7 nothing shot advantage. Two goals as well to go with that. The, the start was amazing for Winnipeg. You did have a few hiccups, you know, in the in the latter part of the first period. Some turnovers and, and some poor transition defense against one of the best rush teams in the NHL. But the second period saw the Jets keep Tampa Bay at bay. Not a lot of scoring chances given up. And then the third, you know, Winnipeg took over that one. You know, with the game on the line and a lot more for Winnipeg to play for than the Lightning. But the Jets, they pulled away. Power play goal, shorthanded goal, a couple of empty netters for the cherry on top. Uh, They were, you know, full marks. You hear a lot that the Winnipeg Jets can't play 60 minutes. And, you know, there's some evidence with, you know, their losses to the Stars 
in a few other teams as of late, but that was about as as close as you can get to a 60-minute effort if you're the Winnipeg Jets there. And, and there was a level of frustration for me because of that, with how good the Jets looked, because, you know, I'm sure a lot of people were thinking the same thing. You know, why, why can't you just do that all the time? <laughs> Play like that and, and you'll be just fine. Well, there's, you know, there, there there's two parts to that, you know, two reasons as to, you know, why can't you just play like that all the time? One good and, and, and one bad. The bad would be that, you know, this is kind of what average slash mediocre teams do, right? They'll look good in spurts and, and they'll look good against high level opposition as well. But it's just never sustained over a long period of time. And I, I think that's true. You know, even for this season, we've seen the Jets play well. You know, they had the best start in franchise history this year. They weren't able to keep that up, you know, moving into the second and third months of the season. They've had a few good showings, you know, even over the last couple of months coming out of the All-Star break. But then there's these three, four game losing streaks that get piled up on top of it. And, and, and there's just never really a whole lot of ground to be made. So maybe, maybe the harsh reality is just this is... You know, an average team. And average teams will look good from time to time, even against some of the best in the NHL. That's kind of the pessimistic take on this. But, you know, the the good and the positive side of this is that there has been a recent change in the composition of the team. And that's repeatable. That that can be sustained moving forward. And it, it really should be a blueprint for how the club looks up front going into the future here. And of course, it has to do with Nikolai Ehlers coming back to the lineup. You know, I, I just I don't think it's a coincidence that the last few games, from a process standpoint, have looked really solid for the Jets. You know, they, they've only picked up two, three points in that time span, but process-wise, they've been playing much, much better. They've been much more dangerous, and it's because they have three lines with high-end skill that become tough matchups for the opposition. And, and so many people have been on this here for so long, but the archaic, old school, top six skill, bottom six grit defense, forward lineups that the Jets have been you know running for multiple seasons now is just not how it works in today's NHL. It, it, I don't know if it ever worked to be honest, right? But you know it worked to maybe an extent in in the seventies, eighties, nineties, but with. As much skill and speed that there is out there, especially with the best teams in the NHL, you got to have skill throughout your top nine right now. And then if you want your intangibles, it can be found on the fourth line, right? You can throw a guy or two that that fits the defense first mold, the grit mold, you know, different things like that. Although we're seeing more and more teams have some, you know, decent amount of skill on the fourth line as well. But... It was nice to finally get a glimpse of what, you know, fans and, and other people have been calling for, for so long with this forward group because the the, the talent and, and the potential was there to, to do it for a long time, right? But we know, watching the Jets this season, that Dubois, Connor Svechnikov has worked as a, as a high-end line all year long. Shifley's line has been producing at a high rate since the All-Star break. And then to have a guy like Nick Ehlers... As a game breaker on your third line, it's just a tough, tough ask for any team to deal with. And we've seen, you know, right now, three playoff teams back to back to back, you know, 40 plus shots against Dallas, New York, 
And then, while not 40 shots against Tampa Bay, you put up a seven spot. The Jets can make that happen. They can make it work with the personnel at their disposal. So, even if, when a new coaching staff comes in, the elements are there right now for a successful modern forward group. And even if you move Kopp and Stasny at the deadline here and, and they don't come back next season, you can still have a line with Mark Shifley, a line with Dubois Connor, and then a line with Nikolai Ehlers on it. You know, Perfetti finds a spot for on, on one of those lines. He can replace either Kopp or Stasny. You can mix and match the guys however you would like, but right there you have a high-end guy driving their own line for basically the entire game at even strength, right? Like, it's it's all there for the club. And and when you have guys like Perfetti and, and, and Svechnikov and, you know, maybe the Jets can find one or two others, it, it gives you that possibility to spread the wealth throughout your lineup. Now, I'll be very intrigued, you know, if the Jets do go this route in terms of spreading their wealth through three lines as opposed to two, how the Jets go about filling out the rest of the forward lines. How do they pick up, you know, a couple of depth pieces that can complement some skill guys and, and, and play higher up in the lineup? I'm, I'm intrigued to see how they go about doing that. And that might be a topic for another day to go about, you know, where the Jets can either find a free agent or go into the trade market to to improve their forward core. But at the very least, the building blocks are there for a very good forward group in the NHL, especially if they play as well as they did last night. Now, switching gears just a little bit here, I mentioned earlier about how the Jets stacked up against Tampa Bay. So I want to get back to, to that line of thought right now. You know, we just mentioned the forward group for the Jets. Not as good as Tampa's, obviously, but I, I think you could say in the ballpark in terms of the high-end offensive skill, right? You know, in, I mean, in this game, it was edged to Winnipeg, but at least the Jets are close-ish. They're in the neighborhood of, of what Tampa Bay has to offer there. In net, Hellebuck and Vasilevsky have, have split the last couple of Esnas, so, you know, again, pretty close for the Jets in that department, or maybe you want to just call that one a wash. So, you know, forwards, goalie, the Jets are at least comparable to the pinnacle of the NHL. But watching this game, and not even that the Jets' defense necessarily played bad in this game, but there were just a few moments here and there, a a few eye-popping scenes from the game that just it it stood out to me, and I, I just had to get back to it again here. But it was just evident to me that the mountain Winnipeg has to climb when it comes to personnel building is finding that elite defenseman. And I'm not even going to say go out and find a Victor Edmund because you're not going to do that. It's just there, there's there's one Edmund, there's one six foot six guy that, you know, skates like the wind, is a defensive man mounted inside his own zone, and then is also one of the better offensive producers in the NHL on the blue line. Like, there's just no realistic path for the Jets, honestly, to make that work whatsoever. But man, Ryan McDonough is a hell of a player. I, I I don't think he still gets the credit, even with a couple of cup rings. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves playing in Victor Hedman's shadow. But he is just so damn good. I mean, what a play he made in the first period. I, I forget what goal it was off the top of my head. But he steps up in the neutral zone, 
blocks off a pass, pushes the puck back the other way up the ice, eventually leads very quickly to a Tampa Bay goal. He makes plays like that all the time. I mean, he's just defensively, both in the neutral zone and inside his own zone, he's just excellent. Like, he's almost perfect. And then on top of that, he can still put up essentially 40 points a year as well. Like, he's got some decent offensive chops to go along with that. That's a guy that the Jets need to find. Like, that right there is what should be the goal going into the trade deadline, but maybe more specifically this upcoming offseason. Because there's not going to be a headman walking through that door. But maybe the Jets can find a McDonough. That might be a realistic goal. Because the Schmidt-Dillon experiment, it, it didn't work. It wasn't a disaster, but it just I think it's safe to say that trying to find good defensemen one through six is not going to be good enough. It, it's not going to be good enough when you go up against Tampa, Colorado. Florida, Carolina, right? The list goes on and on there. I mean, fortunately, the Jets might be able to move on from both of them before next season if you want to go there out. But, you know, for sure, one of those two defensemen. But that needs to be the goal for this team is to finding a great blue liner, not a few good ones. Now, easier said than done, right? But but are, are there options out there for the Winnipeg Jets to do something like that? Kind of? <laughs> there, there are options. How realistic? Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll lay them out for you, and you guys can decide if, if, if this is something that tickles your fancy whatsoever. Um, but there are a couple of free agents. There is one trade target as well. So three names that, you know, may... There, there might be one or two that pop up in the offseason that we just haven't heard about yet, but I think there's three realistic names that the Winnipeg Jets could go after. We'll get to that, and we'll get to some more trade talk, some other potential moves that the Jets could make at the deadline or in the offseason. We'll get to that in just a sec. But first, we do got to give a quick shout-out to our friends over at DraftKings because DraftKings Sportsbook, which is an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a shot for you to win big two on the ice this season. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and you get 150 in free bets if they win. So super, super easy. Never mind two points. Why don't you get yourself $150 in free bets working a deal out with DraftKings? And remember, too, if Sportsbook is not available in your state or province just yet, you still got a shot to light the lamp. You can play for big-time cash prizes with daily fantasy hockey contests as well. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So yeah, I mentioned there, three names, two free agents, one trade option that the Winnipeg Jets could look at in terms of getting... A high-end defenseman. That that definition might uh, that might vary depending on the names here and whether or not you think of that. But two potential free agents that the Winnipeg Jets could go after that'll hit the market or, or might might hit the market this upcoming offseason. Hampus Lindholm, John Klingberg. Now, like I said, to be fair, Klingberg, I'm I'm not super high on with his age. 
the potential price tag. It sounds like he's shooting for the moon in terms of a contract this offseason. And his style of play as well where, you know, do the Jets need a purely offensive-leaning guy when there's still a bunch of issues with how this team plays defensively, right? I, I don't know if Klingenberg is the best fit, but but maybe he could be a guy. I mean, may, maybe that's a backup plan if all else fails, and you know what, maybe Klingberg's ask is, is too rich on the open market. But still, you know, with his history, I, I think that's a name that needs to be thrown out into the mix of somebody that the Winnipeg Jets could look at and find an improvement on their back end. But while Klingberg is, is more of a question mark, Hampus Lindholm, to me, checks off a lot of the McDonough boxes. That That's a guy that I have a lot of intrigue and interest in. And I, and I wonder if if that's the same inside the Winnipeg Jets organization. Because I think there's a chance that Lindholm is even more effective in Winnipeg than he is right now in Anaheim. Just because of the the talent and the, and the skill that's around him and some high-end offense here in the peg. The only issue, though, with Lindholm <laughs> is the fact that he might not even be available, right? Like, that, that's a pretty big issue. I mean, I, I think there's a decent chance he re-signs in Anaheim, which completely takes him off the market for the Jets. But even if he does end up hitting the open market, that, that that's another big issue because the Winnipeg Jets have to do work at free agency, and that clearly is not their forte. And, and you know, bargaining against a handful of other teams... You know, if I'm Hampus Lindholm and I've played almost a decade in Anaheim, it's going to have to be a pretty damn hard sell for me to pack my bags and head up for the Winnipeg Winters, right? So that's the issue with Lindholm. There's issues with Lindholm and Klingberg, but Lindholm is a guy that I really, really like. I guess it just depends on, on how viable either of those options are for the Winnipeg Jets if they both make it to free agency. If those two options fall through, though... There is another name in the trade market, and it's one that we've heard a lot of in trade rumors and the rumor mill and all that in the NHL. It, it, he might be the biggest name, you know, heading into the trade deadline of whether or not he will be moved. And that's Jacob Chikrin. And we've talked about him before on this show about whether or not there's a potential fit with the Winnipeg Jets. And and earlier this season, you know, when the news kind of first came out that Chikrin was a guy that, you know, could potentially be on the move, is likely to be on the move, I, I kind of bristled at it, to be honest. I, I didn't know if, I didn't know if that was, I didn't know if that was the piece that the Winnipeg Jets should push all their chips in for. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just had concerns about, is Chikrin... A no doubt about it, number one defenseman. Is he going to be a guy that can carry his own pairing? Can, can he be a difference maker on the blue line for a team? And while I think those questions are, are valid, and while I'm not 100% sold on a guy like Jacob Chikrin being a, a no doubt about it top pair defenseman, for, for me at this point, it's, it's worth the risk. I, I, I've kind of changed my position on this. I think the Winnipeg Jets should be a lot more aggressive in the Jacob Chikrin trade market. I mean, by the sounds of things, it, it doesn't even sound like they're one of the potential aggressive suitors, right? Like we, we hear Boston, we hear Los Angeles, uh, Anaheim has been thrown in there as well, a few other teams, but no real mention of the Winnipeg Jets. And 
when you look at the options that are available for Winnipeg, I, I just don't know if there's a better one, to be honest. I know he's having a terrible, terrible season this year. He's been, I mean, he's been one of the worst defensemen in the NHL. There's no way to sugarcoat it, really. But he is just 23 years old. He's on one of the worst teams in hockey. We've seen a pretty solid recent history of players departing losing teams and cultures and finding immediate success elsewhere. I mean, even Ekman, Oliver Ekman Larson is having a bit of a renaissance with the Vancouver Canucks right now, and, and he looked like he was done, done a few years ago. So so maybe the struggles that are going on this season are, are, are a bit of a mirage with just how bad things are in the, in the desert right now. I mean, he's only... You know, a year removed from scoring 20-plus goals in not even an 82-game season. Like, there's a lot, a lot of talent there to be had with Jacob Chikrin. And I know the acquisition cost is going to be pretty high. It's going to cost the Jets a first-round pick. It's probably going to cost them Vili Hanela, to be honest. And then, and then maybe another piece or two on top of that. But I think when you're talking about a potential number one defenseman, I just think the risk is worth it. And on top of it, too, you're getting a young, cost-controlled defenseman not going to hit free agency for another three years. He's making under $5 million. The cap hits 4.6. That That's a pretty damn attractive piece to have there. If you think he's... If you think he's going to be a top pair guy, you're, you're, you're betting there, there's a decent wager on the fact that you're hoping that you can develop him a bit more and that there's a lot more to, potential to be unearthed there. But I don't know. I, I think that's a risk I'm willing to take. I, I guess that's where I'm at right now. There's a level of desperation for me in this, and, and that's where you can kind of get into a dangerous spot if you're an organization. But but what's the alternative there, right? Like, you, you do nothing? You, you try to run it back again next year with the same group and hope for a better result? I, I don't see how you could do that. Barring some unknown name that we haven't heard of yet, this, to me, is the best option that the Winnipeg Jets have at their disposal. And I think, too, if you, if you trade for a guy like Jacob Chikrin, we've seen the Jets have had pretty good success at, at finding a way to keep those guys in the fold moving forward, right? So, you know what? You put him beside Josh Morrissey. Maybe that's Morrissey Truba 2.0. And, and you've solved at least one riddle on your blue line. And, and you have a piece that you can build with. And it's both a move for the present and a move for the future as well. So... I'm just, I'm really, really intrigued to see if we hear more heat out of the Winnipeg Jets camp from the TSN insiders about the Jets being a team that's going to be aggressive on the Jacob Chikrin front. It's a gamble. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. It's a gamble, but scared money don't make no money. And I, I just think it's the time for the Winnipeg Jets to get super aggressive in trying to find and procure high-end talent. And as it stands right now, he's he's the he's the top of the line. He, he's the biggest fish in the pond. It, and unless somebody else comes along, for me, I I'm I'm gonna take the risk. I'm gonna roll the dice and hope that Jacob Trickman can find his way in Winnipeg. But we'll see if that's the path that the Winnipeg Jets try to go down here, or if there's maybe a bit of disappointment in that regard. Now I do want to get to a bit more trade talk here to close out the show. Uh, the deadline's less than two weeks away now, so it's going to get really crazy really soon. 
I'm not going to touch about the cop Stasny. I mean, even bull you to an extent thing too. I think we all kind of know where that stands right now. We'll get to that more in depth once we get, you know, 10, 7, 5 days away from the trade deadline. But I do want to look quickly at some of the other options for the Winnipeg Jets. Guys on the roster that could be moved at the trade deadline as the team looks to to retool, rebuild, reload, whatever reword you want to use here. I think there is the potential for the Jets to be a, a pretty busy team heading into the trade deadline in uh, in a couple of Mondays from now. I mentioned the blue line there. And, I mean, Chikrin is one thing. But I, I really do think that I'm, I'm just not going to be surprised at all if the Winnipeg Jets move one of Brendan Dillon or Nate Schmidt at this deadline. I don't even think this is necessarily an offseason move. I, I don't know how realistic a Nate Schmidt trade is right now. I mean, the cap hit is really high. The Jets obviously don't want to retain any salary on that. That that might be more of an offseason move if it's you know even possible to pull off. But I, I think Brendan Dillon could very well be on the way out sometime soon here. I mean, he checks off a lot of the boxes that, you know, the playoff contending teams look for. The cap hits 3.9, so it's nothing too crazy there. And you get some control as well, so it's not necessarily a pure rental. But, you know, even while contending teams would want him, I think there's teams outside the playoff picture that could potentially make a move for Brendan Dillon as well. I mean, just off the top of my head, the Ottawa Senators, I think, would be a great fit for Brandon Dillon. You know, there's not a whole lot on that blue line outside of uh, Thomas Shabbat, obviously. But, he, you know, Artem Zub's been pretty good for the Sens. Outside of that, there's not a lot there. And that might be a decent fit for a team like Ottawa. You know, you have a guy like Brandon Dillon. He's been around the block. He can help out the blue line, help out the, the young forward core as well. But he could maybe be a, a pretty impactful voice inside that locker room and, and play a top four role for the Senators at a pretty cheap price, which is obviously something that's very important in the nation's capital, right? But there's teams outside the playoff picture that I, I think could use Brendan Dillon as well. You know, and, and Edmonton as well as a team that is probably looking for somebody in that mold, right? So there's the contending teams, but even the teams that are outside the playoff picture, I think Dillon is a pretty desirable asset. And I, I just think the Jets can find a partner and can get a decent return back for him. Maybe not what they paid the Washington Capitals to get Brendan Dillon out of there, but you know what? You could probably get a couple of picks or maybe one high-end pick. Of, of, whatever it is, I think you can get a decent asset or two back for Brendan Dillon that opens up some cap space. It opens up a spot on the left side for either you know a high-end guy or at the very least a Hanela or a Dylan Sandberg. You know, just kind of reading the way things are going here, I think Brendan Dillon might be a name you want to keep an eye on heading into the trade deadline here. So mention Dillon, mention Nate Schmidt. I, I just don't really expect Nate Schmidt to be moved until the offseason. Um, I do want to mention Dylan DeMello because that's another name that's going to be thrown out there. And that's a guy that I think a lot of teams could use as well. It only makes $3 million. He's played really good recently, though. I think he's been one of the Jets' players. Best players. He has been one of their players. He's been one of their best players over the last, I don't know, 
four or five weeks or so. He, he's just been really, really solid. But I also think he's been a bit more, you know, assertive and aggressive in the play as well. So I I, I might pull back the reins on, on moving Dylan DeMello just yet. You know, I'm not moving him out just, you know, for a draft pick at this point, I guess. If he's a if he's a part of a bigger deal for a big piece, I think you absolutely have to consider it. But, you know, heading into the trade deadline, I don't think I'm looking to move Dylan DeMello unless the team absolutely blows me away just yet. So those are some pieces that could be out the door on the blue line. Looking up front... And we'll close the show with this. And look, it's obviously been the hot topic in the city for the majority of the season. I've just I've heard a lot more about it. You know, talking with talking with my brothers, talking with family members, talking with friends, people talking to me about this. What what are the what's the Jets going to do with this? I think we do have to you know take a maybe not a an overly in depth look at a Mark Shifley trade, but I I think we should touch on it a little bit here. You know, just setting the, the the framework of what that could be like and should the Jets even be interested in doing something like this, making a move of that magnitude. Now, I I don't know what the, the, the percentage is, but it's, it's going to be under 10% for sure that, that Mark Shafley's... I, I, I put it under 5% that Shafley's moved to the deadline. I mean, you, you just don't see moves of that caliber happen, whether or not a team is in a playoff spot you know, at the trade deadline with a month or so to go into the season. But there is the potential that, you know, Kevin Chivaldayoff sets up kind of the beginnings of a deal and then revisits that in the offseason. So this is kind of a discussion more so on should the Winnipeg Jets go this route? And then if they do go this route, is there a team or two that fits? And, and what could be some of the potential pieces coming back Winnipeg's way? Now, while I think moving Mark Shifley should be strongly considered and maybe even goes beyond just a, a possibility that the, that the team should discuss, you got to be super, super careful with this, right? Because even with the defensive warts and, and some of the other issues that you know some fans have, I don't know if the team shares those same views, you're still talking about Essentially, a point-of-game centerman who's making not a whole lot of money compared to what he delivers on the ice offensively and has shown that he can be a proven playoff performer. There's still a lot of value in that. Even if Mark Shifley is a... Even if he's a below-average to bad defensive player, like you're... It's tough to find point-of-game centermen. It's tough to do that when they make under $7 million, right? So... Yeah, you gotta just, it, it's a really fine line to tread, right? Because I'm a big believer in whoever gets the best player in the trade wins the deal. I, I just, I think high-end talent trumps all. There's a few exceptions to that, obviously, but I think when you look back at the history of trades in the NHL, more often than not, I think that line of reasoning tends to play out, you know, well in that team's favor. So you're probably not gonna find an asset coming back your way that's that's better than Mark Shifley. So so that's kind of issue number one right there. The second one is that you could potentially follow the Calgary Flames model, right? I mean, Johnny Gaudreau was seen as a problem player in Calgary. A new coaching staff comes in. Less than a year later, Johnny Gaudreau's getting hard trophy talk, right? 
Like th- that's that's the impact that a coaching staff can have on on players inside your organization too, right? So so there is a fine line that needs to be walked. There is some trepidation about this. But on the other hand, while you have the Calgary Flames example of how, you know, patience and and sticking with your guys can can pay off, I think it's important too to look at the Minnesota Wild as a separate example, a different example. Because the Wild made the decision this past offseason, uh, the very, you know, wild controversial one, to just part ways and say, you know what, we're, we're changing the structure of the core of this team. And they bought out Parise, they bought out Suter. I, I know age-wise it's, it's not a perfect comparison, but they, they moved on from the core leadership group of the team to basically hand the reins to the newer, younger group and to take the team in a completely different direction. And you know what? It's paid off for Minnesota, right? I mean, there's some serious cap repercussions for them in the coming years, but I mean, right now, it looks like it's a move that's paid off in spades for them. And I think that's another example that, you know, could be looked at here for the Jets is the old, you know, almost addition by subtraction, right? That... Some of the poor habits that have crept up in Mark Shifley's game, that can happen for somebody that's a core member of the leadership group and and somebody that's playing as a forward 21 plus minutes a night each and every night, right? Like there is the argument that you're not, you know, buying out Mark Shifley or or trading him for peanuts, but that, you know, it may be taking the team in a different direction in terms of moving on from a guy like Mark Shifley, you know, maybe a guy like Blake Wheeler as well, right? Like almost signaling the beginning of a new era could do wonders for the group as well. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a throwing in of the towel. The team could still be competitive as soon as this upcoming season, if you did go that route. So there's a few different options for the Winnipeg Jets there. I think my ultimate mindset on this right now, you know, headed into the trade deadline, soon to be headed into the offseason, is that you call around, if there's a team out there that's willing to give a high-end young centerman or a high-end defenseman up in a package for Mark Shifley, that you pull the trigger. If a deal like that isn't out there, if it's just, you know, a first-round pick, a decent prospect and a roster player, kind of the deal we see a lot for for star players in the NHL, that, then you hang up the phone and you try to find a way to make it work. But if there is a single high-end asset out there that you can get back for Mark Shifley, then I think it's something that you pull the trigger on. Now, are there players out there? Is there a trade that might potentially work for the Winnipeg Jets in that vein? Well, I do have three teams here, and, and this is how we'll close off the episode here. Just some some food for thought for you before we uh, get back and talk together again later this week. And let me know on Twitter, at Brandon underscore Rewicki, if, if this makes sense, how you would go with the Mark Shifley route, or, or even some of the defense options we mentioned earlier in the show. But there's three teams that intrigue me, at least, when it comes to the Mark Shifley trade discussion. Maybe the most intriguing for me would be the Carolina Hurricanes. Because you have a team that, I mean, they might win the President's Trophy this year, right? They're, they're one of the best teams in the NHL. But they haven't quite gotten over the hump just yet. If they fail to do that again this year, we know that the Hurricanes 
aren't afraid to be aggressive in the trade market. And and maybe looking at a guy like Mark Shifley, who's got a relatively low cap hit, that, that could be, they might look and say, Aho Shifley, that's something that, that's going to push us over the top as a team. Maybe a, a guy like Martin Nekash could be a potential option for the Winnipeg Jets if they want to go that route. I know they've had interest in Nekash before, going back to, to the Patrick Line A trade talks of a few seasons ago. So there is a bit of history there between these two teams. And while, look, Nekash obviously isn't at the level that Mark Scheifele is offensively right now. A young, cost-controlled player that could potentially fill into that 70-80 point role, that, that wouldn't be a bad starting point for the Winnipeg Jets. So that's a name, that's a team, and you can kind of, you know, moving parts, throw picks and prospects, whatever else you want throughout the rest of that trade. But that is one that I think maybe has the groundwork for something that the Winnipeg Jets could potentially look for, helps you in the future, but also helps you out in the present as well. Also, the LA Kings, a team that's super aggressive. They're in the Chikrin trade talks. They signed Deneau. They traded for Arvidsson last season. They're obviously trying to fast-track this rebuild that they have going on right now. They want to be a contending team as they head into the twilight of, of Kopitar and Doughty's career. That's a club that's got a ton, a ton of young prospects, a lot of picks as well. You know, that that might be more of a future, a, like, like a futures package that would be sent to the Winnipeg Jets there. But I, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's a team that the Winnipeg Jets could go after. I, I mean, Quinton Byfield would be the big shiny piece that you'd be looking at there. And that might just be a straight-up one-for-one, nothing else thrown in there sort of a deal. I don't know how likely how much the Kings would be willing to part with a guy like Byfield, but if they feel like they're close, and a guy like Mark Shafley could push you over the top, I mean, maybe he gets thrown in there by an aggressive Rob Blake. They do have a few other young players, Velarde, Alex Turcotte. I mean, there's a few others as well, obviously. But the Kings do have, that. they're they're kind of, I, I guess, maybe more so a good fit as a team as opposed to, you know, can they find a way to make the assets work because they'd be lucky to pick up, you know, a big, big piece like Mark Shifley. The final one, now, and, and this would be an intriguing one. I don't, I, I don't know if it works, but it, it just does make sense in terms of roster construction from this team. But the New York Rangers, I think, would be an interesting team in this as well because they were heavy in on the Jack Eichel sweepstakes and they struck out on that. They're obviously trending in the right direction here. They've got maybe the best goalie on the planet, if not the second best goalie on the planet. They've got a Norris candidate for for years to come, it seems like, and he's probably going to pick up a few more in Adam Fox and then some high-end wing talent as well, and a guy like Mika Zibinijad on the roster down the middle. But they just don't have a whole lot behind him at the centerman spot. There's a big hole for the New York Rangers, and you could certainly see them being super aggressive in trying to fill that if a guy like Mark Scheifele was all of a sudden available. I wonder if a Lafreniere for Mark Scheifele swap would be something that would intrigue a lot of people here in Winnipeg. I know it, it wouldn't solve the hole down the middle that the Winnipeg Jets would suddenly have, 
But man, oh man, the the potential, right? Like to have a number one. I know he hasn't been great so far. He's still super, super young though. And you see flashes all the time. But to have a potential piece like that on the roster, that's a lot of intrigue. And the Rangers, you know, are going to be aggressive sometime soon in pooling all of these assets that they have to make a big splash like that. You wonder if the Winnipeg Jets would be the perfect fit for a deal like that. So there's three teams, a few players as well. Uh, we'll we'll see. I just I again I don't anticipate this being something that we're talking about in you know ten days time about, about the big shockwave of a Mark Shifley trade. But I certainly think it's going to be something that is touched on again in the offseason. We, we've just heard too much smoke, right? Guys like Frank Saravalli, guys like Elliot Freeman have mentioned that this isn't just, you know, whispers here and there. It's a legitimate possibility. But, hey, you never know. Trade deadline is crazy season. Maybe maybe we see the stunner of all stunners. And you know what? It's not Kopp and Stasny that's running the headlines. It's, it's somebody a little bit higher up the totem pole when we talk about the trade deadline. And uh, I, I guess it is just 10 days away now. Um, but that's going to do it for this episode. We'll wrap it up on that point again. Let me know on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki on anything from today's episode. If you want to reach out to me, I'd be more than happy to respond back to you guys. In the meantime, we'll be back at it on Friday's episode, breaking down the first of a road trip for the Winnipeg Jets heading out east. Some juicy matchups as well. If you're you know, one of those fans that is still hold, holding on to the playoff hopes, We'll break down the game against the New Jersey Devils and we'll have more trade talk as we get just about a week away from next Monday's trade deadline. So we'll be back at it on Friday morning. But until then, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe, everybody. Peace.